Welcome to the Holistic Psychiatry Podcast. I'm Courtney Snyder, a physician and holistic adult and child psychiatrist. In this episode, I'll be reading from my list of books for the right brain, 10 favorites for opening the heart and mind. Since my relatively introverted childhood, books have been some of my closest friends. They too were quiet. They never asked anything of me but to be present. I love them for that. As an adult, I used to proselytize when it came to books. You should really read this. But now I'm more like, you should really listen to your inner authority. Okay, I've never said that about a book, but I have backed off on recommending or buying books for people I'm close to. Find your own friends, I now say. But since you're here, and you too have an interest in healing and thriving, and since these books have been about my healing journey, I'm sharing my friends with you. Likely, you have already met some of them. As with friends, I didn't go out looking for these books or their topics. We serendipitously crossed paths. Just like close friends, these books created a shift in how I see the world, my relationships, and my life. They seem to fire enough neurons to create lasting, neuroplastic changes with every turn of the page. I couldn't unread what I'd read. Even with that, though, there are a couple where I must have felt transformed enough, or at least they talked a little bit too much, that I didn't feel a need to read until the end. I'm turning 56 as I write this. I like to think I've grown a lot in 56 years, but I'm realizing that all but one of these... I've read since turning 50. Part of that may be that it wasn't until I was 49 that I learned I had mold toxicity and started treatment for that. In the 10 years leading up to that discovery, I'd stopped reading. I put my friends away. It was hard to be present, but even harder to retain whatever it was I just read. As with any dark night of the soul or any winter, there can be tremendous growth that we just don't see. I share this for anyone who feels they've stopped growing and to give hope to the person who thinks they'll never enjoy books again. The other part of this growth spurt may reflect my natural middle-aged development where we start to look inward for answers and perhaps even grapple with life's big questions, including, is this all there is? A big part of my journey was about expanding my mind and my heart to grow beyond the more linear and controlling way I approached life. These books held my hand. They taught me how to be present, to feel, and to trust. Number one, A Life of One's Own. This was written in 1934 by Marianne Milner, a British writer and psychoanalyst. Outside of therapeutic circles, she was better known by her pseudonym, Joanna Field, a pioneer of introspective journaling. What I'll be reading is a synopsis for each of these and then a quote or two. So this book is one woman's examination and recording of her own thoughts, daydreams, and inclinations over several years and how observing these things pointed her to who she really is and what makes her happy. In the book, she says, It was only when I was actively passive 
and content to wait and watch that I really knew what I wanted. Number two, the master and his emissary, the divided brain and the making of the Western world. So the master is essentially the right brain and the emissary who goes out into the world and comes back is the left brain. And this is by Ian McGilchrist, a psychiatrist, writer, and former Oxford literary scholar. This book argues that the division of the brain into two hemispheres is essential to human existence, making possible incompatible versions of the world with quite different priorities and values. McGilchrist argues that despite its inferior grasp of reality, the left hemisphere is increasingly taking precedence in the modern world with potentially disastrous consequences. McGilchrist says, If the detached, highly focused attention of the left hemisphere is brought to bear on living things and not later resolved into the whole picture of right hemisphere attention, which yields depth and context, it is destructive. Another quote. The only certainty, it seems to me, is that those who believe they are certainly right are certainly wrong. Number three. Codependence no more. How to Stop Controlling Others and Start Caring for Yourself by Melody Beatty. She's an author of many books. Really the person who brought to the forefront this idea of codependency. So this book is described as a compassionate and insightful look into codependency, the concept of losing oneself in the name of helping another. This has helped millions of readers understand that they are powerless to change anyone but themselves and that caring for the self is where healing begins. Melody Beatty says, The surest way to make ourselves crazy is to get involved in other people's business, and the quickest way to become sane and happy is to tend to our own affairs. Number four, a hidden wholeness. A Journey Toward an Undivided Life by Parker Palmer, author, educator, and activist. So the synopsis for this book, Parker is convinced that human beings need both solitude and community to do the inner work necessary to thrive. Using illustrations and practical experience, the author discusses the many ways in which circles of trust can support the quest for integrity and meaning. And to quote from the book, in a circle of trust, we are governed by a simple rule, no fixing, no saving, no advising, no setting each other straight. Number five, outrageous openness, letting the divine take the lead by Tosha Silver, who's an author and teacher, graduated from Yale with a degree in English literature, but along the way fell madly in love with yogic philosophy. This book is a compilation of funny, irreverently reverent stories on aligning with the divine in daily life. It's written for the passionately spiritual and bemusedly skeptical alike. A quote from that book is, Abundance is something to be, not seek or await. Number six, Dance of the Dissident Daughter by Sue Monk Kidd. You may know her as the author of The Secret Life of Bees. This book is described, 
From a jarring encounter with sexism in a suburban drugstore, to monastery retreats, to rituals in the caves of Crete, she reveals a new level of feminine spiritual consciousness for all women, one that has the power to transform in the most positive ways every fundamental relationship in a woman's life, most notably her relationship with herself. This particular book was one I read for the first time in my early 30s. A quote from that book, For always, always, we are waking up and then waking up some more. Number seven, the body keeps the score. Brain, mind, and body in the healing of trauma by Bessel van der Kolk, MD. He's a psychiatrist, author, and researcher. And this book is described as an insightful exploration of trauma, its effects on the body and mind, and various healing techniques. He says, As I often tell my students, the two most important phrases in therapy, as in yoga, are notice that and what happens next. Once you start approaching your body with curiosity rather than with fear, everything shifts. Number eight, the great work of your life, a guide for the journey to your true calling by Stephen Cope who is a psychotherapist, author, and founder of Karpalu Institute. Number nine, also by Stephen Cope, The Dharma in Difficult Times, Finding Your Calling in Times of Loss, Change, Struggle, and Doubt. As described, Cope here takes the ancient yogic text, the Bhagavad Gita. Then he builds on that foundation using the stories and teachings of famous figures, as well as stories of ordinary people and his own rich personal experience. Along the way, we find striking examples for finding meaning and purpose in our lives. From the book, The best place for each is where he stands, wrote Thoreau, because the whole world is there. This is Cope talking. Your own deeds, as small as they may seem to you, will reverberate through the entire field. We think we have to do great things. No, no, no. What we must do over and over again are small things well done. Number 10, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McGowan, author and leadership and business strategist. To quote from the book, which describes the book, the way of essentialism isn't about getting more done in less time. It's about getting less done. It's about getting only the right things done. It's about challenging the core assumptions of, we can have it all, or I have to do everything, and replacing it with the pursuit of the right thing in the right way at the right time. It's about regaining control of our own choices about where we spend our time and energies instead of giving others implicit permission to choose for us. And I'd love to know what books have changed your life. If you're interested in subscribing to these newsletters and receiving them directly into your mailbox so that you can respond to questions like that, please consider subscribing at CourtneySnyderMD.com. You can also find me on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. I look forward to connecting with you in a future episode or newsletter. Until then, take care.